look around. Look at my miracles. Look at my teaching. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm representing my Father. Isn't it clear to you? Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part two and the conclusion of Pastor Lance Quinn's series, Jesus the Christ is God. Pastor Lance's text for this series is the entire Gospel of John, chapters 1 through 21, in which John will show proof in each chapter that our Savior, Jesus, is God. In Jesus the Christ is God, part one, Pastor Lance referred to author and scholar D.A. Carson, who stated, quote, Jesus is the Christ might be better translated, God is the Messiah, end quote. Based upon what the apostle wrote and Jesus said, Carson's point of view makes sense. Here's part two of Jesus the Christ is God. Here is a man we knew his family. He grew up and for 30 years of his young life, he was a carpenter, a woodworker with his father. How can this man claim all of these things? Here's the answer. Lazarus, come forth. And he does. That's the attestation of his claim. That gives the essence of the claim its true value and its meaning. Number 12, from John chapter 12. You just go through all of these chapters, read them on your own, meditate upon them, and see these declarations. I'm only giving you a highlight. Verse 23. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. You see, men aren't to be glorified in that sense, right? And Jesus is saying, Now that time is coming ever nearer for the Son of Man to be glorified. The Son of Man, that messianic title, it's another way of saying God who is Jesus, God who is the Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. Truly, truly, verse 24, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. He who loves his life loses it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. What a claim. A man is saying, serve me. No wonder there was a sense in the minds of the Jews, this is blasphemy because he, being a man, is making himself out to be God. But if he is God, he demands such worship. He must have such worship. He must have such service. Verse 28, Father, glorify your name. Amazing. Number 13, John 13, verse 31. Therefore, when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him immediately. Glorify, glorify. Back up to verse 20. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. The Father has sent me. I send others. The Father is to be glorified. I am to be glorified. Amazing. Number 14. 
Even Philip, one of those disciples, verse 8, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him in verse 9, have I been so long with you and yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the Father abiding in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Otherwise, believe because of the works themselves. Look around. Look at my miracles. Look at my teaching. Look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm representing my Father. Isn't it clear to you? Verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our abode with him. This is unmistakable. Attestations to deity. Chapter 15, number 15, I am the vine. I am the vine. I'm the door. I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. I'm the vine. Verse 5, I'm the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He says in chapter 14, verse 6, I'm the way and the truth and the life. I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm the great shepherd of the sheep. I'm the vine. That's why, my friends, no one, when they're reading Any part of Scripture, but certainly a part of the Gospels and even the Gospel of John can read these things, and if they don't have spiritual eyes, they'll be a critic. But if they have spiritual eyes, you fall on your face and you worship the Lord Jesus Christ because He's God. Number 16, verse 7, But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who can make a claim, my friends, to be the person who sends the Holy Spirit to anyone else? The Father sends the Son, and the Father and the Son send the Spirit. It's an amazing claim. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. This is the truth that Jesus is Lord. He's God. Number 17. This is the high priestly prayer. Verse 1, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. Only God, my friends, may grant eternal life to people. Only God. And if Jesus Christ has been given all authority from the Father, and it has been granted that he is the person who gives eternal life, then he must be God. He must be divine. Verse 3, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is a claim to deity. This is an affirmation by himself. Number 18, from chapter 18, verse 36, to Pilate, Jesus said, my 
kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Verse 37, Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say correctly that I am a king. He's the door. He's the vine. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the good shepherd of the sheep. He's the resurrection and the life. And he also is a king. Pilate didn't know what he was referring to. Jesus was transcending the idea of some kind of earthly kingdom, some kind of earthly kingship. And he was saying, I have a kingdom, but it's not of this world. Number 19, verse 30. Chapter 19, therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, Tetelestai, it is finished. He died on that cross, and when he died on that cross, and by saying these words, he accomplished the work that the Father had set out for him to do. He proved it. He assured us of it because he said, it is is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Number 20. This is the scene, of course, the chapter that speaks of the resurrection. And that in and of itself, of course, is an implicit claim. Here's the explicit result. Verse 27. Then Jesus said to Thomas, doubting Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. Verse 28, Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my what? My God. Thomas got it. He understood it. And you know, here at the end of John's gospel, is right where we began John's gospel in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was indwelt in flesh, and this only begotten God from the bosom of the Father explains the Father, and we've seen how that's occurred, and now Thomas, one of the doubters, seeing the Lord Jesus Christ in His resurrected person, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, verse 29 of chapter 20, Because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are they who do not see and yet believed. Who does that include? Ourselves. That's right. I haven't seen the person of the Lord Jesus Christ raised from the dead bodily. I haven't seen that. But blessed are those of you who have not seen and yet believed. That's why the Apostle John says in verse 30 here, Therefore many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these, the things that have been written, these have been written so that you may believe that the Christ is Jesus, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. That's the whole point of the Gospel of John. That's the intent of the Gospel of John. That's why he wrote the way he wrote. That's why he penned what he penned. That's why he included those I am statements. That's why he included the seven signs in the Gospel of John in the first half of this Gospel. And this is why he says what he says, and this is why Jesus did what he did. 
and the 21st, verse 21. So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that the disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? This is the disciple, speaking of John, referring to himself, this is the disciple who is testifying to these things and wrote these things, and we know that his testimony is true. And there are many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that would be written. This is an amazing book, and we're soaking up all of these details just verse by verse as we see the unfolding of the majesty of Jesus Christ. I can't close this morning without asking this question. Do you know this Christ? Do you know this Christ? Notice I didn't say, do you regularly come to church? Do you give money to the poor? Do you pray occasionally or regularly? Those are all good things. But those are not things that will automatically usher someone into the kingdom of God. In fact, if you're trusting in those things for eternal life, those very things will condemn you at the bar of God's judgment. Why? Because those things are only the fruit of faith, and they can't be substituted for faith. The only thing that will gain you entrance into the eternal kingdom is faith and repentance. And even those things are only instruments by which you enter. You say, what's the object? It's the Lord Jesus. It's this man, this powerful man, this sinless man, this man who died upon that cross, this man who said, it is finished, that man who said about himself, I am the door, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, I am the vine. It is of whom John the Baptist said, he is above me because he's above all. That's the only way that you and I can safely be ushered into the eternal kingdom by ascribing our allegiance, our trust, our dependence, our whole life, our soul upon the Lord Jesus because He is God. And as God, He came from heaven and He descended to this earth in the form of a slave. And that slave served. And how did He serve? He gave his life as a ransom for many. And when that slave served, he proved the reality of being obedient totally and completely and sinlessly to his father's will. And when he served that will by going to that cross, dying on that cross, being resurrected from that cross, being ascended to the father, having accomplished the work that the father had set him to do, He was coronated, according to Philippians chapter 2, as Lord. And that's why Paul says, Jesus is Lord. And the only way that you can say Jesus is Lord, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, is that if you are saying it by the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit is opening your eyes, unstopping your ears, and giving you the opportunity to hear what I'm saying today and what you've read in your own Bibles, that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He's the only Savior who's ever been presented to the world as a Savior, the only legitimate Savior, the only saving Savior. There are a lot of would-bes. Even Jesus said, watch out, be warned against those who say that they are me. Beware of that. Beware of the person, the religion, the cult that says Jesus is like this. Because if they deny the divinity of Jesus Christ, it is a hellish doctrine to be rejected. But if you and I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, And if you believe that He and He alone is the one who grants eternal life and that all judgment is entrusted to Him, then you would be saved. You would be delivered from your sin. You say, that's already been my experience. That's been my experience for a very, very long time. Then let me ask you a question this morning. Are you worshiping this Jesus? Do you worship Him? Do you love Him? Do you cherish Him for what He's done? in granting you eternal life. You see, it's not enough just to know the apologetics of the gospel of John, the defense of the faith, all of these implicit and explicit arguments about the deity of Jesus Christ. This is not just a lesson in apologetics. This is an opportunity for true Christians to worship, to worship the Lord Jesus, to believe in His Lordship to the degree that when He says, I command you to love one another. I do that because it's the Lord who is the one who's asking me such. He's commanding me to love others. And when he says, the world will know that you're my disciples, John 13, if you have what? Love for one another. So you show the world both by your own lips of confession and you show them by the life that you live in loving other believers to the glory of God. You show the very testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord by your own attestation. That's the way we live. That's that's our common confession. And that's how you show the ones around you. Maybe even someone here. Maybe even someone who's being brought to church this morning for the very first time and who knows nothing about the gospel, and who knows nothing about the saving lordship of Jesus Christ, but you know and you could tell them, your neighbor, your friends, your classmates, your workmates, those for whom you've been praying for some time, and maybe you've never spoken to them, you should speak to them. You should challenge them to read the Gospel of John. You should take the Gospel of John, whether it's in uh, the full, complete text of our New Testament or the complete Bible or even just the Gospel of John itself, which is readily available. You should sit down with them and you should begin to read with them or assign them some of these very passages. And then you could sit down with them and say, what do you make from your reading? What do you make of this Jesus? Who is He to you? This is a grand opportunity, my friends, not only for witnessing exploits, not only for defending the faith, but for believers here and now to worship Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Isn't this the season to do such a thing? Isn't every season the season to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ? Let's bow together and worship Him. Father, we we are ashamed, frankly, that we are not 
greater worshipers than we are. With this mountain of evidence and only just a few texts from 21 chapters, and maybe not even the best texts, and certainly not the fullness thereof, which explains, explodes off the page, this matchless Christ, this sinless Jesus, this Savior and Lord. Please forgive us, Father, for not worshiping Him as we ought. We become distracted Our minds wander. We are dull of hearing. We do not read and meditate and worship which matches the reverence and the awe with which you ought to be worshipped. So we confess this morning. Make us better worshipers. Allow us through the sweep of the intensity of a book like this the Gospel of John, to challenge us again, afresh and anew, to worship you in a way that you deserve. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on that cross for sinners like us. Thank you for our redemption. And we know that throughout all eternity, we will be those perfect worshipers. So we ask now that you would allow us to to see and to experience a glimpse of of that foretaste of glory divine. By worshiping now, meditating upon these truths, that you are the door, you are the way, the truth, the life, the great shepherd of the sheep, the vine, you are God in human flesh. We ascribe to you what Thomas did, my Lord and my God. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, to forgive us for being so distracted by the world and by our own remaining sin and by the temptations of the world around us, Satan, his ploys to distract us from pure and simple devotion to Christ. And we ask that you would grant us, Holy Spirit, the opportunity to be empowered through the illumination of your truth this very gospel as we continue to read it throughout the rest of our lives and not reading it in a perfunctory way, in a mechanical way, in a detached way, but reading it for the sake of defending apologetically our faith in Christ to those who are the critics. And we're witnessing to those who don't know anything about the Christ that we love and serve and that we are worshiping this God in human flesh, the Lord Jesus who is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Son of Man, who came to seek and save that which was lost. Holy Spirit, meld this to our hearts. Bring us to a place of greater worship and devotion for the truth that Jesus is Lord and that our lives as we love each other would show the world that truly we're His disciples. Praise you. We love you, and we worship you. In the name of the triune Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. You are listening to Timeless Truth Today. When we Christians say, Jesus Christ is the promised Messiah, what do we mean? To the religious Jew, Old Testament prophets predicted Messiah was coming. 
But when he appears in the person of a humble carpenter, problems arise. Here was God in their midst, doing miracles only God could do, and their hearts denied him. Have you received him? Would you like to know more? Visit our website, timelesstruthtoday.org, timelesstruthtoday.org. On the homepage, select Broadcasts. There you'll find an entire archive of Pastor Lance's messages on the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Lance Quinn and a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. If you don't have a home church and you live in the area, you're always welcome to come worship with us. We meet Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. and the church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks, California. And there's always the live stream. You'll find that on the church website, which is bethanyto.org. Come Monday, we're into a new series with part one of Wine, Women, and the Song of Justice from Proverbs 31. I'm Matt Williams. Hope you have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.